Blog Talk Radio. After a short two-week hiatus, it is Ryan Berger taking you through the next hour of this fun, interesting conversation today, the podcast Inside the Burger Shop, podcast number 33, a discussion at the intersection of sports, culture, technology, marketing, and more. It is May 23rd, a gorgeous Monday afternoon, uh, off a wild sports evening, a uh, late sports evening, but a game, uh, an evening that is, wasn't as late as I had anticipated. Uh, of course, uh, the incredible shellacking of, uh, of the Golden State Warriors in Game 3, followed by an incredible overtime win by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Great comeback uh, down 2 nothing on the road in Game 5 to, to Pittsburgh. So really fun night off of, off a great sports weekend. And uh, we will be joined today by Tommy Beer, we've had on a couple times on the show, one of the great NBA voices both on Twitter uh, and in the media. And we will talk to Tommy about the playoffs. We had him on a couple of weeks ago, I guess sort of the middle of the season in the NBA and did a playoff preview as we look to the second half of the season. And we'll bring him on today to talk about the conference finals and what's going on with them. You know, is this it for Golden State? What does he expect in game four? Will Draymond be suspended? And then, of course, on the other side, uh, we'll talk to Tommy about everything going on in the Eastern Conference. The Cavs looked really incredible uh, through, I think it was the first two series, for, and then the first two games against Toronto going 10-0 and and not uh, losing a game, and then coming up short in Game 3 on an amazing performance by Bismack Biombo. So we'll talk to Tommy about all that stuff and more. It's, it's sort of funny we had... Uh, Ramona Shelburne on our last show from ESPN and Ramona gave us the prediction that Oklahoma City would win the West and there was a lot of people jeering and and, uh, not really believing that whole concept but she looks pretty good today 2-1 Oklahoma City and two wins away from winning that conference so shout out to Ramona for that great prediction which looks really good so far and we had a little bit of a hiatus was working on 
trying to put together a show last week that didn't come together, but looks like it will uh, for next week. It's a show on uh, the godfather of high school basketball, Howard Garfinkel, the godfather of high school and, I guess you could say, summer basketball, the creator of five-star basketball, uh, a guy who can take credit for the the, the discovery of many uh, basketball players, including Michael Jordan, uh, died about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, got very sick towards the latter part of his life. Um, and we will bring on uh, Tom Konchalski, who is the uh, the voice of high school basketball and recruiting, one of the uh, most popular uh, high school and recruiting individuals over the last 50 years. And we had planned to put him on last week, and Tom unfortunately had a fall, broke his, uh, shattered his elbow and broke some ribs. So we will get Tom on next week to talk about Garf. Um, and, and, and all things Garf, which should be a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, and last week was also a really good uh, uh, conference that I was a part of over at the Players' Tribune. Shout-out to Jamie Messler, the president over there, for really creating a great event. And, and shout-out to Rick Buecher and Brian Berger from SB, Radio, SB Business Radio and their podcast for getting an incredible panels, uh, an incredible day, Really, really good stuff. Learned a tremendous amount. Um, got some really good meetings. Have some people on the podcast in the next couple of weeks coming up that we met through there. Um, but it was a lot of fun last Tuesday. Really executed nicely. So shout out to Brian Berger and Rick Buecher and their team for, for making that happen and having us there. And we will be with them July 20th out in San Francisco at another one of their events. Uh, with Bleacher Report and Twitter Sports. So I'm looking forward to that, and we'll do a podcast live from uh, San Francisco. The Inside the Burger Shop goes west, and we'll put together a nice lineup while we're out there to do at least one, maybe two podcasts. Um, really interesting to see what the Players' Tribune has been up to and how they've used the media and their own media and social media and digital uh, digital marketing and digital media to, to really build a presence in this, when it's athletes first and the whole idea of athletes first and Isaiah Thomas and Larry Sanders and John Scott uh, were all there talking about their stories with the Players Tribune and how how much they felt it really was able to bring their stories and their voices to life something that is super important when you think about the athlete today and all the all the changes that the media uh, has so excited for uh, uh, a good chat today. A really busy week last week with the uh, with with the conference itself, and looking forward to um, a lot of action as we get through the rest of this week. I do want to shout out our two sponsors. Thanks to Hyper for always being a part of our show. You, Hyper is the largest database of influencers and celebrities in the world. You could find out that and a whole lot more at Hyper Brands. H y p r brands dot com. Hyper has over 700 million influencers in their database and is the only platform in the world to offer deep audience analytics across every social channel. So thanks to Hyper for always being a part of the show. And at the end of the show, we will bring out the, uh, the Hyper Heat Report. And usually we look at three individuals. Today we'll look at four, and that's the four remaining point guards in the NBA playoffs, Kyle Lowry, Kyrie Irving, Stephen Curry, and Russ Westbrook. So we will look at their uh, social data uh, regarding Hyper. And thanks to our other sponsor, the Crowdslaw, 
line, as I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, and we started working with the crowds line. The crowds line is a uh, a unit that you can actually find on CBS Sports Line and other places. And the whole concept is they just want you to make predictions. And their belief is then you take a large number of predictions and you aggregate and put that all together. That that is more on point and that is closer to the prediction of the score than what Vegas sets up. So a lot of cool stuff coming out of the crowds line. And to recap last night, when you look at from the crowds line perspective, game three of the Golden State Warriors versus OKC, we know from the crowds line that the crowd nailed it. The crowd had Oklahoma City and the points, but clearly Oklahoma City did not need any points or help. And the crowd line believes that KD and Russell Westbrook are on a mission. When you look at Saturday's game of Cleveland versus Toronto game three, when you look at it from the crowd's line perspective, again, the crowd nailed it. The crowd had Toronto plus the points. They didn't need the points as Toronto rebounded from two disastrous games in Cleveland. And the crowd's line predicts that Love and Irving had could not have played any worse, look for big bounce-back games for them and to come back aggressive tonight in game four. When we look at the data from the crowds line, we see that the crowd is going back to the well tonight. They do like Toronto at home and the points. So you remember that Toronto has the support of the entire nation and has been playing lights out at home. The crowds line would not be surprised to see LeBron get the W, but for Toronto to keep it close. So for everybody out there, get your predictions ready. Head over to the crowds line, over to their uh, Facebook page, or check them out on CBS Sportsline or other places throughout the web. Get your prediction in and see how you'll do against the game tonight and against everybody else and to see are you right, are you wrong, how close can you get to making the prediction of what will happen in tonight's game four. And as we get ready for uh, Tommy Beer to join us, you know, I, I was – blown away at the pace that Oklahoma City was playing with last night. You know, it's sort of interesting because everybody looks at Golden State and thinks that Golden State is a team that runs, and they certainly are. They're a team who loves to get up and down the floor, a team that likes to take quick shots, and a team that likes to push the pace. But I am just sort of shocked at how um, at how amazing the uh, sort of back and forth that you're getting with Oklahoma City. I mean, there's no way that you can find a team like Golden State and think that they can play at the pace that Oklahoma City wants to play. And everybody would have thought that that's the opposite, that Oklahoma City might want to slow it down a little bit. But what we've seen is that they – that Golden State cannot handle Oklahoma City in the in, in this pace, and that the only way that Golden State's going to hang in this series is if they can force OKC to play in the half court, and that will be a crucial aspect of looking forward in this series. Um, can they force Oklahoma City to slow down? Can they force Westbrook to play in a half court? And that is a big aspect of this. Because Westbrook and Durant, as good as they are, especially Westbrook, they're nowhere near as effective when they are in the half court. And what we've seen is that Golden State cannot handle OKC in a fast-paced, fast-break game. They're too fast, and they're too big and athletic. And that's the thing that I never had expected. I didn't expect to see Curry struggle to actually get shots off, let alone make the shots. I didn't expect... Golden State to struggle in, the, in, the, in transition 
not only in getting back, but on the glass. We saw it in game one where OKC beat them up on the boards. And now we're seeing it in, in game three again where they actually went small, Billy Donovan. And how about the job that Billy Donovan has done? There's a guy who turned down several NBA jobs, has an incredible resume, two championships at Florida, successful NBA career, successful mentorship in, in a guy like Patino. And the guy comes out and and has had some adversity in the playoffs, losing to um, uh, Dallas in game two. Um, but has come back and, you know, walks by 35 to the Spurs in game one. And here's a team who is Golden State, who everybody thought was potentially the, one of the greatest teams of all time on their heels. On their heels. Looked lost last night. Deer in headlights. Draymond Green kicking guys all over the place. Everybody said he had a lot of Rodman in him. He sure does. Kicking guys in the groin two games in a row. Will Draymond be suspended? To me, that's the big storyline in game four. No other storyline right now. Because interestingly, the way this series sets up and the playoffs, if you can get Oklahoma City to win tomorrow, they're going to win the series. They're going to be up 3-1. I don't see them choking, even though there's two games in Golden State. But if Golden State wins tomorrow, this is Golden State series. Tomorrow, game four, is the series. And the big question is, is Draymond Green going to be out on the floor for the biggest game of the series and, and, and clearly the biggest game of the season? And if you're Oklahoma City, you're doing your best and get him suspended and saying all the right things to get him suspended. And, of course, the basketball fan like myself wants to see Draymond playing because you want to see the best against the best. And, uh, you know, there's times in which even a guy like Draymond, I mean, he, he was awful last night. Awful. I mean, what, minus 39? Um, looked like a second-round pick getting a shot blocked by guys like Ibaka, by Durant, looking small, a little slow. Is that, is, is, is that what these guys are? Is that what Draymond is? is? Is he back to who he was? Because these guys blocking his shots all over the place. He, he, can't, he can't finish all of a sudden. Missing little bunnies against Steven Adams and Cantor and Ibaka and the length of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, is that, is that what we're, you know, getting ready to see? Is this the end of Golden State's potential dynasty? Um, you know, I can't imagine that that's the case. Um, there's a lot of basketball to be played. There's a long series still. There's a lot of people who believe, it sounds like Draymond and Golden State included, that this is a seven-game series. And let's get our thoughts from our good friend, uh, Tommy Beer, who is always the best in this space and can give us his thoughts. Uh, Mr. Beer, how's everything on this Monday afternoon? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? Doing well, Tom. Doing well. Let's, let's get right into it because obviously it's dominated the, uh, the media and dominated last night. And, you know, two interesting series, um, uh, both at a 2-1 number, both in the Eastern Conference with the, with the Cavs in Toronto and out in the West. And, you know, let's start out West because we saw what we saw last night, I'm sure. Opened your eyes, opened a lot of people's eyes. Um, you know, what are you seeing out there in Oklahoma City where the Thunder are right now up 2-1? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, like you said, it's eye-opening um, because it's it's not just the that that OKC is up to one; it's the level of domination that they exhibited yesterday. I mean, they flat out embarrassed the Warriors. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the best regular season team in NBA history um, looked like they didn't belong in the same gym. Um, and uh, I think, in specifically about Game Three, I thought the interesting. Uh, adjustment uh, that the OKC and the Thunder had made was was going small. You know, a lot of the, the prevailing thought going into the series and pretty much for the most of the, the, the series, or regular season for that matter, was that you don't want to run with the Warriors because if you do, they'll run you off the floor. Um, and the OKC kind of put that theory to test, test that test yesterday um, by going small playing. Um, you know, Durant as the biggest, as, you, know, as, you know, not necessarily the center, but the biggest player on the floor at times. Um, and, you know, Deion Waiters letting him be a little bit of a playmaker, um, which I think has been as, uh, you know, startling and shocking to me personally as anything that's happened in the series is how well Deion Waiters has played. So um, very interesting. And obviously, uh, you know, we got a huge game four, and the, the biggest question, question now is whether Draymond Green will participate or not. No question. That's the storyline. It's funny. I, I tweeted last night that Waiters reminded me a little bit of John Stockton in this series. There's a guy who <laughs> never passes the ball and not only has passed the ball this series, but has actually made some unbelievable looks to cutters, to, to move, goes up to the hoop, double pump, makes an incredible look for dunks. He's done an incredible job. You know, Donovan has shortened this rotation, and it seems like every guy that he goes to, Canner, Waiters, has done the job for them. Um, you know, I'm impressed more than anything with their athleticism. When you look at Golden State, I was talking before you get on, got on, you know, I didn't expect it, but Curry looks a little frail, and Draymond looks a little slow. He got his chop blocked three or four times last night by Ibaka and Durant uh, with their length. Did you expect to see a, such a significant athletic advantage for a team over a team who's all about athleticism and sort of fast-paced offense? Yeah, they really have really taken, you know, you mentioned Ibaka. I thought he was key coming to the series because he was underutilized. And just quickly circling back to your point about, you know, Donovan's matchups, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. And, uh, you know, I think it, it points to how, you know, essentially overrated coaches are in the NBA. It's a lot of it about talent. But, um, you know, Donovan went big. You know, he played Cantor and Adams a lot against the Spurs, and that was really successful. Um, he scaled down Cantor's minutes and, and, you know, went with this small, small ball, speed ball lineup. Uh, against the Warriors and also seen success. So, so uh, you know, I think you get a lot of credit there for, for Donovan. But, yeah, you know, it's just we know that Westbrook and, and, and Durant are, you know, essentially unstoppable athletic freaks, you know, the height, you know, the combination of height and, and length and athleticism, speed, um, you know, is, is, is pretty unparalleled. But, um, yeah, when you, when, you, when you factor also in Ibaka, you know, Steven Adams giving him great, you know, muscle and energy and intensity, um, it, it really has been surprising um, that these guys, uh, you know, it, the ball movement hasn't been as crisp on the Warriors, too. I think that's the other thing, as athletic as they were, um, you know, Draymond Green is a great, uh, is, a, is a unique talent. Um, I don't think anyone would ever say he's the most athletically gifted player, um, but certainly unique talent. Um, and part of his gift is the passing and angles and, and ball movement. Um, but, the, you know, to their credit, OKC's defense, I think, has been um, better than, than uh, people would have expected. So when that, when that ball movement slows down, it makes the Warriors seem – you know, it, it looks like the bully gets a little taste of his own medicine, and it's kind of startling to see because the Warriors have been bullying teams for, you know, for the last six months or so. And the bullying clearly starts with Draymond. That's, that's obviously is a very physical player. We saw in game two dunks on three or four guys screaming in their face. Uh, we've also now seen two games in a row of, 
what I call a little bit of Rodman coming out in Draymond because he reminds me a lot of Rodman except a much better passer um, with the kicking. You know, what do you expect the NBA to come out with? Because I think game four is the game in, in this series that is going to be uh, the winner. If Oklahoma City wins, I think they're going to win the series. And I think if Golden State wins the game. So I still think game four is actually in, in a funny way a, a must win for, for Oklahoma City more than anybody else. Do you see Draymond being a part of that game on the court for game four? It's an interesting point. I think you make a really good argument against about the importance for OKC because um, it's hard to see. Listen, they could certainly win the series if they lose game four, but if they lose that game four, then it's a best of three series and, 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 and the Warriors have home court advantage. We know how good they've been at home, so that's a good point. Um, I don't think Draymond plays in game four. You know, I, we've all watched it. I think we'd all love to see the Warriors, if they're going to lose, lose at full strength so there's no asterisk or anything involved. Um, but, uh, you know, the more you look at it and, the, and you know, watching it again this morning, you know, the, the, another hundred times on Vines and just the replays, it really does look like an intentional act. You know, whether he meant to injure, their, injure Adams or not, you know, that's debatable. Nobody could ever know. Um, you know, I, I guess the argument that the Warriors are going to take is that he was just flailing his legs and he's done it before. Um, but it looks like he kind of intentionally flailed it in the direction of Stephen Adams. And what the NBA has said in the past is intent is not relevant to the discussion because it's impossible to determine intent. Actions are. Um, and it's an action that resulted in contacting, um, you know, of Adams in a, you know, in a very painful place. Um, we saw him react. Um, so it's just it's one of those things where I'm sure the NBA would love to um, just give a fine and everyone move on. But I think it's really difficult given the presence we've seen. Um, you know, obviously with Dante Jones in game three on, on the hit on Biombo, um, and, and just other times in the past with, uh, you know, Wade kicked a guy, Ramon Sessions in the Hornets a couple of years ago. Um, there's a lot of precedent, and, it, and it, I think it would be difficult for the NBA um, to look the other way in this one, even though um, anyone outside of OKC, you know, any, other than OK, anyone, you know, other than diehard Thunder fans are probably hoping and, and are hoping that the NBA, you know, has some type of excuse, but Personally, I think he deserves to get to spend, and I think he will get to spend. No, no, fair, fair point, uh, fair point. Again, we're talking to um, the great Tommy Beer, uh, and you can follow Tommy on Twitter at Tommy Beer, T-O-M-M-Y-B-E-E-R, one of the great follows that you'll see on, on, on Twitter. And you can also check out his amazing avatar with my homie Action Bronson. And, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the guy that I've uh, – been a little bit shocked on in this series, a little certainly in last night, not so much in game two, is, is Curry. Um, you know, when he misses, you can't believe it. You know, wide open shots, you can't believe it. But the thing I've been a little bit stunned on, and then we'll get your prediction on what you think and move over to the East, is you know, I think he's struggling a little bit to get shots off. I think Westbrook, his size is so significant, his athleticism, I, I, it looks to me like Curry is having a hard time getting shots in the offense. Um, are you seeing the same thing with Steph? Yeah, I agree. You know, Adams blocked one of his shots last night. That's something you never see as a big man, you know, switching on the screen and roll, being able to get his shots up. But you got Adams, you know, huge length, Abaka, obviously challenging shots. Um, and, and you mentioned Westbrook is the, as obviously the, the main key defender, um, you know, with the incredible wingspan and athleticism he has when he's focused. And that's what we've seen. I think that's been important, a focused Westbrook on the defensive end because uh, in the past he's been known to take plays off. Um, not not giving himself 100% effort on the defensive end. So um, I think he's playing a motivated, focused brand of basketball, which is great news for the Thunder. Um, that being said, I think uh, the MVP shows up in a big way tonight. Um, you know, the, other, the, the one other thing is that, that um, 
OKC has done such a great job in the boards, it limits uh, the, the, the Warriors' offensive rebounding. You know, a lot of times we'll see Warriors will kill you on those, those you know, grab an offensive rebound, kick it out to an open Thompson or an open Curry. We've seen it a couple times here and there um, in, in this series. But, uh, you know, throughout the, throughout the regular season, that was one of their um, things that they really, they really uh, you know, put a hurting on teams with that. So, um, you know, Curry, like you said, he's, it is shocking when he actually misses a shot and he's missed some open shots. Um, I think especially if Draymond Green is out, um, you're going to see that fourth quarter overtime Curry um, that was insane against the war, you know, against the Trailblazers where he scored 17 points in OT. I think you're going to see that Curry, um, you know, a type of effort where he shoots 30 times uh, and as good as a player as he is, um, I'd be surprised if he didn't put up big numbers in a game four, especially if Draymond's not playing. Yeah, it's funny about the Draymond play. I should have mentioned it when you were talking about it. Again, we're talking about Draymond Green. We know from the hyper data, Draymond has exploded in the past couple of months. Socially, over a million followers on Instagram and almost five hundred thousand on on Twitter. And you know, a little challenge with the replay stuff is because of the vines and because of the Instagram stuff. Every time you see the play, it's slowed down. It looks so intentional. It's hard to say right. whether it is or it is not, but it does have an effect when you see plays slow down because you can't determine really, really what happened. You're just looking at it frame by frame. It's a good point. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, um, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to get be too critical of referees. I mean, the best players in the world shoot, you know, so what does Steph Curry shoot from the floor? Um, so refs are, are going to, you know, nine, you know if, if they're 90% in accuracy, that's, you know, you've got to be 100% in order to keep most fans happy. And you're right, we've seen it a thousand times, so we've seen it frame by frame. Look, look Draymond is looking down as, you know, but you're white. You're right. If we, if we're, I remember watching it. You know, most of us watching it in real time. We didn't even think about it until you know Adams went down, and then we looked at the replay, and then everyone was like, "Uh oh, this could be an issue." Uh, but you're right. Yeah. You know, and that, and that, that that's across the board. Uh, you know, when, when you slow things down, it definitely t- it has a different impact on the way you look at it. In fact, if you look at the play, Curry is on the wing, and he and Draymond does this. Curry watches it and just puts his head down and runs back as if nothing happened. He didn't even see. Yeah. And he was watching it specifically. He didn't see anything happen. And when last night they spoke to Steph in the press conference, and he said that exact point, I put my head down, I didn't even see it. So you actually see Curry not even flinch to think. But So it's such a hard decision that these guys have, and you know, there's a, clearly a, a precedent, and, uh, and they, you know, I'm sure they're uh, scrambling around today to try and figure out how to, how to handle this because it's not a, not a fun situation, but unfortunately a, a storyline and a situation that is a part of every single playoff uh, big-time series in the past 25 years. I, since the yep. going leaving the bench, it just feels like yeah. every year there is an uh, incident about who's suspended, who's playing, who should be suspended, and, and that's not the way we want it. As Hoop fans are saying before, you know, we want Draymond to play regardless of who you're yeah. rooting for. Unless you're a hardcore yeah. Oklahoma City guy, you want to see the best players make this happen. Absolutely. What's your prediction, Tommy, as we move forward? What do you, who do you think comes out of the West? I think the Warriors will win tonight and then, and then take the series to seven. I, I do think um, they've just – you know, listen, the last time the Warriors lost two games in a row was January of 2014. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a long time ago. You know, the, the, the Warriors have – listen, and, and, they were, and they were down 2-1 against the, the Grizzlies last year. Um, they were down against the, the, the Cavs uh, last season in the finals. Listen, they're different teams. The Thunder are obviously better than those two teams, but the Warriors have been there before. 
Um, and basically since the start of the regular season last year, anytime they've been presented with the challenge, they've stepped up and, and got the job done. I feel a lot more confident if I knew Draymond was going to play in game four. Um, I, I, he's, you know, an incredible player. I think he's underrated even, even to this day. I don't think he gets the, the amount of respect that he does for all he does for the team. So without him, it's going to be difficult. If he's playing, I definitely think they win. If not, um, uh, you know, I think it's going to take a Herculean effort from, from Steph Curry. But, um, you know, I, I just – as much as I've watched the Warriors play the last two years, I, I, I don't, I can't justifiably pick another team to beat them in a series right now. And let, let let think, so, so you think Draymond is suspended, but you think Golden State wins, which means to me you either think Golden State wins Game Four without Draymond, or they come back from three-one, which is very, very, you know. Uh, that can easily happen. I could see that happening. So yeah, uh, interesting, it, it, you know, approach. Because even if they go down 3-1, if they win game five, now it's the Thunder realize game six is a, is a basically winner-take-all game. You know, that's the way that the, the, obviously the Warriors would approach a game five. Win game five and then we're okay, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, so I think it just you're, you have a little more leeway. And obviously if they win game four, that puts them in a great position. Um, you know, and I, and, I, and I don't count out, even if Draymond doesn't play, like I said, Steph scoring 45 points would not shock him. Yeah, the thing that's amazing about last night, and then we'll move over to the East, is um, because they're such a jump-shooting team and they don't get any easy baskets, meaning they can't throw the ball in the post and just get an easy you know, shot the way Westbrook's able to just go through and dunk, or KD can get dunks, or Canner can get put-back layups. Golden State doesn't get a lot of that, so when the thing starts to go downhill the way it did yesterday and jump shots start to be missed and balls start to be flying all over the place. Next thing you know, it goes from five to 20 so fast. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if there was a game six there and uh, Golden State was down three, two, and that was the environment. That's their game, jump shots and loud fans. And, you know, the thing can get out of, out of hand. So I always think if Golden State loses those games, they're not losing by two or four points. They get killed because it goes, it just goes hourly, which I think, you know, you, you, we saw last night. Right. But at the same time, I mean, you know, the statistics point out like the efficiency of, of the Steph Curry three is the same as, as LeBron shot in the paint, you know, like that, that's how good the guy's been all year. So I just think, you know, uh, you know, you, you give him enough looks, he's going to start knocking them down. And, for, and, and, and like, I, I just can't, I, you know, can can Dion Waiters keep it up? You know, can can Apopka continue to make threes? You know, will Westbrook stay in control? You know, all those things. I, I just I feel like they have to swing back a little bit. You know, the Warriors' favor in Game Four, so it'll be fascinating to watch one way or the other. That's for sure. Can't wait, Tommy. We're again talking to the great Tommy Beer. Um, so, Tom, let's move over to the East, up uh, with the North, and move up to Canada. Game Four tonight um, between the uh, home team Raptors and the and, and the Cavs. Uh, Cavs dominated through, just waltzed through the the playoffs and waltzed through games one and two and ran into a classic Saturday night buzzsaw, a backup center uh, who came, who was just you know ferocious with Biombo. Um, you know, what did you see differently on Saturday night than you've seen the, the first uh, 10, 11 games from the Cavs this playoffs? I think the Raptors did the smart thing and was was essentially say we're going to let LeBron do his thing and because we can't stop him anyway let's let's limit uh, uh, Kyrie and Love and I think you know let's not let them get airspace no open looks no open threes um, limit Kyrie's you know penetration and, and send an extra guy to him when he starts driving if we give up an open three to LeBron or an open you know an open you know jumper to somebody else or Richard Jefferson whatever the case might be we can certainly live with that. Um, but let's sag off, you know, the Tristan Thompson and, and, you know, sag back on LeBron, force him to shoot jumpers. 
Um, he's still going to get his points. He's, you know, he is the greatest. Those other guys beat us like the, you know, like the, the, the 11 other, 12 other teams that have, you know, 12 other games that the, that the Cavs have stormed through, uh, you know, to start this postseason. So I think that was the difference in game, four, in game three. When we look at LeBron and the hyper data, 72 million followers across social media with over 20 million on Instagram, 22 million on Facebook, and 30 million followers on Twitter. He's clearly the, the king of social media right now. Um, you know, I, it's interesting when you look at a team like the Cavs, they have so many players that it used to be if JR is not hot, you still have to go to him. Now, if he's not hot, you have so many other guys in that lineup and the, the floor is spread. You make a great point about letting LeBron get his and not letting the other guys get off. What do you expect tonight? Do you expect those guys to come back? Do you expect a 50-point LeBron night, one of those classic playoff games? Or do you expect him to continue to do his best to try and get everybody involved? Yeah, I think he facilitates. To be honest, I think the Cavs will stomp the, the Raptors tonight. I think they needed a wake-up call. And to be honest, I don't think that was – you could, you could make the argument that that was a good thing because you, you, the, the pressure of going into a finals 12-0, um, you know, the, the, the additional they, – they hadn't lost in like six weeks or something. Sometimes it's good to get that feeling, to get that – you know, remember what it's like to taste the feet. Um, you know, this Cavs team had been riding high, had no – had no, you know, had no pressure, had no animosity, had no drama to overcome. And then if you get into the finals and lose game one, then you have to deal with all this stuff. So I think if there's, there is some value there. Obviously the Cavs weren't tanking the game or giving the game. I'm sure they wanted to go undefeated. That was their, definitely their goal. Um, but I think in, in a weird way that it could benefit them long term, um, you know, as they advance past the Raptors and onto the finals. And I, I think they, they try to send a strong message tonight, um, you know, on the road. Um, you know, defensively I think they're going to, you know, crank it up a couple notches. Um, you make a great point. Um, you know, it, it used to, you know, like obviously in last year's finals, if, if J.R. Smith wasn't knocking down the shots, um, that the Cavs were in trouble. But now he, if he doesn't make his first couple, you yank him, put in Channing Fry, rely more on Love or Kyrie. Um, so the, the amount of weapons and versatility um, that, they, that they're playing with right now, and I think you're seeing LeBron at his most comfortable and at his best, and that's as a, as a faci- facilitator, you know. He's always been more magic than Michael, and I think this, yep. this you know, the, 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 the way they spread the floor, and, you know, they finally have to, you know, a, a really solid shooting teams around them, um, I think is, 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 has been key. And I, I think for LeBron, if you go back in the, in, in the times that he's won, especially with Heat, it's when he's had another, you know, star player, um, put up the points, you know, particularly from the shooting guard spot. You know, when Wade was great, they won those two championships. Uh, the last year in Miami, Wade was dinged up. Somebody else was kind of a leap foul on an offense. Um, if Kyrie is, is knocking down shots and getting to the basket and loves doing the same, uh, I think you see the best version of LeBron, and that's when the Cavs are at their most dangerous. Yeah, no question. Completely agree on that. It's uh, it's he needs that second guy to be the guy who's the primary, you know, quasi primary scorer, so he could do his thing yeah. much more magic than, you know, than Michael Kyrie is 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 a special player. He looked special in the finals last year. You know, before he got hurt. You know, I'm expecting similar to you. You know, the Cavs to play well tonight and go home and close this out and and then get ready to the finals. And then we're talking about you know Cleveland against either Oklahoma City or, or Golden State. So you know, why don't we? get your thoughts on on that for a couple minutes before you leave you know what what who do you think is a better matchup for cleveland do you think that they would i'm sure they would like golden state off the revenge aspect of the last year no who do you think is a better matchup for the Cavs, oklahoma city or golden state it's a good question you know i like you said i think i think we all wanted you know to see a Cavs, you know warriors final and i'm sure a lot of lebron specifically and, and a lot of the other Cavs. Um, wanted to, a chance to revenge last year's loss. 
Um, but it, it's dangerous because the Warriors are so good and they, they present so many problems, spacing the floor, et cetera. Um, but as, as well as the Thunder are playing, um, it, it, you know, it's as I mean, I was skeptical about the Thunder. I mean, I, I thought they'd, they'd put up a great fight to the Spurs. I thought they'd lose. Um, I thought that the, the, the Warriors would beat them, you know, in seven, six or seven. But, I, but they played a lot better than I thought they would. I mean, when you step back and think about it, the Warriors and Spurs were what, like 100, you know, I, I looked it up today. I think they were 153 and, and 26 or something combined, you know, over the, the regular season in the first two, you know, in the first, uh, you know, the first couple weeks of the playoffs uh, against the rest of the NBA. The Thunder have played eight games, their last eight games. They've beaten the Warriors and the Spurs six times. You know, they're, they're six and two in their last eight games against the Warriors and the Spurs. This two, two, you know, all-time great regular. You know, the Spurs won sixty-seven games. The Warriors won seventy-three games in the regular season. Um, so it, I, I, it's really, really difficult to not give anything but a tremendous amount of respect to the Thunder. Uh, and if they knock off the Warriors, they're coming off a you know Western Conference, you know, a, a playoff run that is you know truly no team has ever, no team in NBA history has ever beat two teams that won at least 66 games in the regular season in the postseason. That's what the Thunder would have to do to get to the finals. Um, so the, the all things considered, I don't think that obviously the, the, the either team that wins the West might be a slight favorite over the Cavs, but um, I do think that this is the year that, that LeBron takes, uh, takes the Cavs to championship, wins Cleveland's championship. So um, regardless of which team comes out of the West, I think uh, I'm going to have LeBron uh, and the Cavs winning the championship. Interesting. Tommy, you're the best. Appreciate all the time. Have a good Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the hoops. We'll catch up with you soon, bud. Appreciate it, Ryan. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Be well. That's the great Tommy Beer from Hoops World and uh, a bunch of other media outlets who love the work that Tommy does. You can follow him on Twitter at Tommy Beer. One of the great follows, a stat guy, a guy who comes up with some unbelievably interesting stats, throws them in a tweet, and you can't believe some of the stats he's able to find and pull. So thanks to uh, uh, Tommy and NBA Hoops World for having him on today uh, talking NBA playoffs. And let's move right into the hyper um, the hyper heat report. And as I mentioned, we'll look at four point guards in the NBA today and their hyper heat, uh, hyper heat index, hyper heat report. And the first we look at is uh, Wardell Stephen Curry. Steph Curry, first name Wardell. Steph with 511,000 followers on Vine and 5.6 million on Facebook and 5 million on Twitter and about 200,000 on Instagram. So Steph is big of a name you know, that we know right now, but only about 12 million followers socially. LeBron, we knew, 72 million. So interesting when you look at that. But when we look at Steph, uh, about 12 million followers. When you look at all of his social channels, we know from the hyper data, he's by far most engaging on Facebook, spends a lot of time on Facebook, getting about 45,000 likes and comments per post on his Facebook. When we look at Steph's audience, about 77% of his following are men. So we know a big uh, male following for Steph, 77%, which is interesting because um, his wife is a big influencer. She's into cooking. So interesting. Let's think about 77% male. We also see from his age demographics that the bulk of his age group is 19 to 39. Really, but even 
the most being 33 to 39. So you would think Steph would be followed by a lot of young people, but 12 to 18 is not really the sweet spot if you're talking about Stephen Curry's social media audience. Now we move over to Kyrie Irving, the point guard from uh, West Orange, New Jersey, and now the point guard for um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we see Kyrie with about 10 million followers socially, with by far his biggest audience in Instagram, and him getting about 100,000 likes for every Instagram post he's putting up. When we look at Kyrie's audience, larger than Steph, he has about 85% men who follow him. So whereas Steph has 75%, Kyrie 85%. And we see, similar to Steph, his bulk of his audience is 33 to 39 and 26 to 32. He also is a little bit international with about 5% in the UK, 5% in the Philippines, 4% in France. So Kyrie, obviously playing for Cleveland, playing with LeBron, having that global appeal, um, has a nice influential audience that comes out of international markets. We go down to Russell Westbrook, a point guard for Oklahoma City, and we see Russ with about 8 million. So um, Curry has 12 million followers, Kyrie with about 10, and Russ with about 7.5, 8. Almost 4.5 million followers for Russ on Instagram. He is not on Facebook. And another 3.5 million followers on Twitter. Russ is by far, everything is on Instagram, getting over 65,000 likes for every one of Russ's posts. And when we look at his audience, over 80% of his following are men. So a bigger male audience than Steph Curry, but not as big as Kyrie. Interestingly, when you look at his audience, Westbrook has 32% 12 to 18. So he is way, way bigger than um, Curry or Kyrie Irving when it comes to a young audience, which I think would be a surprise for a lot of people. But this hyper data really opens your eyes and provides you with some interesting stuff. And the fourth player we'll look at is is, uh, Kyle Lowry. Lowry with not even a million followers combined, about 375 on Instagram, 1,000, 375,000, another 340,000 on on Twitter. So Kyrie, not a not driven to use social media a bunch. 83% of his following is male, so similar to the other players, very similar numbers. But you know, his bulk of his following is up in Canada. 41% of his audience lives up in Canada, and that of course makes sense because uh, he plays for a Toronto team. So about 40%, 30% of his audience is here in the U.S. So a little bit of an older audience, a male audience, and an audience that lives out in in Canada for uh, Kyle Lowry who has the biggest game of his life coming up tonight, a game four up in Toronto against the Cavs. And we just talked to Tommy Beer, who mentioned that he expects the Cavs to stomp all over them tonight. So uh, look for that. And thanks to Hyper for providing us with all the data on the Hyper Heat Index segment. It's been a fun show today, a good 40 minutes on the NBA playoffs. Thanks to the Crowds Line for being a part. Thanks to Hyper for providing us with all that data. Thanks to Hoops World for having uh, the great Tommy Beer on, and thanks to Tommy Beer for spending a couple minutes on a Monday afternoon going through the NBA playoffs and getting his predictions the rest of the way. I hope everybody enjoys the hoops this week. It should be some fun stuff. Looking forward to seeing it all. Uh, You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, searching Inside the Burger Shop. Thanks, everybody. As my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say, adios.
podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast, here comes your host, the burger shop, now live from coast to coast, in any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ryan got the insights, the burger shop, you know, 